Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Did Adi Savia deserve a one-match ban for that throat-slitting gesture? Uh, Dame Nolan Todua, what did you make of it? Oh my gosh, I can see it. I can feel the tension during that time. I'm a politician, I'm not saying nothing, and I'm moving on. And of course, Dame Nolan is really here to talk about netball and the ANZ Premiership. Has New Zealand rugby dropped the ball and failed to boost Super Rugby Opiki after the Black Ferns triumphed in the Rugby World Cup? Dame Nolene, are you a cricket fan? Jeez, I'm not doing very well this morning. <laughs> I'm not a person that I can confess to say I'm an avid cricket fan. I do watch now and again. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> well, for diehard cricket fans, it's the last two series of the summer for the Black Caps. And brace yourselves, Ched Lasso fans. We get a sneak peek of the hit football TV show's third season. Kia ora, I'm Zoe George. And kia ora, I'm Dave Nolan Taurua. And this is The Podium, sports news, but not as you know it, from Stuff. The punishment handed out to Hurricanes captain Adi Savia has captured the rugby headlines this week. For those of you who haven't caught up with the news, Savia was given a one-week suspension for persistent offending after he made a throat-slitting gesture at an opponent after being given an earlier yellow card. Here's what Hurricanes fans in Wellington had to say. Absolutely tragedy. No suspension. That's like putting um, verbal actions higher than the red card itself, an action of head high, so no. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought that there would be a suspension for that. I feel like there must have been something said on the field to get him racked up like that. I was a little surprised he only got one week. Stuff Sports' Mark Reason has been trying not to write about the Savia incident. Why is that, Mark? I don't think there's an uh, enormous amount that's uh, hugely interesting to say. Uh, in terms of the incident itself, the referee, James Dolman, I thought contributed greatly to it by his refereeing of the first half, uh, particularly when Sevilla picked up off the back of a scrum and went over the line, and it was unclear whether he had grounded the ball or not. And so there was a pause while referee James Dolman discussed with Ardy whether he had scored or not. And to the surprise of absolutely no one, Ardy went, yeah, bro, I think you should have a look at it. Yeah, I probably did score. And so the ref then goes up to his TMO and says, uh, probably a try, I think. And with no clear evidence to say otherwise, Ardy's um, testimony that was taken led to probably a try, led to the try being awarded, um, according to all of that. And when referees start bringing players in to that extent, uh, it's far beyond the remit and far beyond the referee being the sole judge of fact, which rugby union has always relied on. So then we end up with that situation at the end of the half where Ardy gets uh, shown a yellow card. People thought it was just for the push and shove. Uh, That's not quite the case. Uh, the referee had put the Hurricanes on a warning down that end of the pitch. So it was another offence. So it was an accumulated offence, which was why the yellow card was given. And then Ardy then gives the throat-slitting gesture as he walked off towards the Rebel scrum half. 
the referee missed it, but it was entirely inappropriate, even though it's been used in the Haka before. That then should have been a second yellow card, which escalates it to a red. And that's what the judiciary decided, that the throat-slitting gesture in itself was not a red card offence, but was a second yellow card offence. That upgraded it to a red card, and they deemed the red card to be at the low end of offending, and therefore a one-match um, suspension, which I think was uh, entirely appropriate. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Super Rugby is in full swing, but for Super Rugby Opiki, the competition is almost over, and it's only just started. For Super Rugby Pacific, there's a bit longer to go. For a bit of insight, here's double international Honey Hidemi Smiler, who's also a stuff columnist and a Sky commentator. Welcome, Honey. So, Super Opiki, is this competition fit for purpose? It's only five weeks long. Yeah, it's funny you say that we're halfway through when we're just two weeks in, really. You know, honestly, the competition's taken another step. The level of rugby, the quality of skill set that we're seeing is, is next level compared to last year. And, and the worry was that, you know, a lot of the sevens girls, the Porsches and that were all not playing this year. They, they're not even missed at all. You know, I think everyone wrote off the Chiefs Manua because they were missing all the sevens girls. And now look, you know, they're absolutely dominating each other because there's plenty of depth there. And that's what this competition is, is really proving. In terms of for, for purpose, though, I'd have to say uh, no, because it's a four, five-week max competition, right? So uh, after this, players, well, possibly they'll, they'll name a Black Ferns squad. Um, players will go back to club. Some will rejoin academies. They'll play a little bit of that. You know, there's still this big gap, right? It's like we're just getting kicked or started, and then they're just sort of – and I'm not saying they're going to take a massive step backwards, but they are. They're returning back to club. So a little bit frustrating in that sense, but – Look, they probably missed the boat. I think New Zealand rugby missed the boat. They should have expanded straight away, at least ran two rounds and then maybe a third round with Superwoman's rugby comp over in Australia. And they're talking about doing it next year, but next year's too late, you know. Well, it's not. I mean, it'll still be great, but it should have been this year. I mean, if you want to go off the momentum of the Rugby World Cup, why not do that? I mean, the crowds that showed up down at Forsyth Bar and North Harbour Stadium the last two weeks of the games that I've been calling have actually been decent crowds too. It's just they're spread out around this big, massive stadium. And I'll tell you what I really, really liked about on Saturday after the Matatu and Blues game is they let the fans come onto the field so the girls could sign and they had posters for both teams. They had flags for both teams. And little boys and girls everywhere were just running up to all the players who ever had a jersey on. They were just asking for signatures. So that was super cool. And, and when I say there was lots of boys there, you know, and I was like, man, we need to keep doing this. That's what I like about the women is that they don't just, you know, have a couple of signatures and go, and go into the changing room. Like they stay up there and they interact and they take photos. And it's it was just awesome. It was the highlight for me, actually. I mean, obviously the Chiefs one of one, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, also in the men's competition, the Chiefs are top of the table at the moment. Has there been anything surprising for you the last two rounds and heading into the next round? For the Super Rugby Pacific? Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, obviously week one was a bit of a surprise and I and I was, and I don't like to say this because uh, I'm, I'm not a big Auckland fan, but I actually thought the Blues were like, you know, just going to rip into everyone after that first game, which I was part of down in Forsyth and when they absolutely thrashed the Highlanders. So I thought, oh, my God, no one's getting close to them. And then, you know, they didn't play so well the following week. So it's like, oh, far out. I can't believe that. So actually there's been some upsets, and I've actually been impressed with some of the Australian teams. 
Um, I think Moana Pacifica have still got a little bit of work to do, but the Dura are looking really good. But oh, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I think the Chiefs are, will be the one to one to beat. Like we've got D-Mac back, and he's making a world of difference. So. And before I let you go, how good were the Warriors last week? My goodness, I did not think they were going to win it. They've had this massive turnaround. Uh, do we need to send them out to other cities around New Zealand to keep this winning vibe going? Oh, look, I've been really enjoying them going out and around New Zealand, but, you know, their loyal fans are at Mount Smart, so, and I know they're waiting, you know, they're waiting in, in anticipation to have them home. Yeah, I think I think it's a good thing. It'd be nice to see them head out towards the middle of the year. I think the Tigers have bought their home game over here for in Hamilton. But, oh, look, I, I was really impressed. I backed the Warriors on um, Friday night. I knew that they would get the job done because there's just this different vibe about them. Like, you can see it and you can feel it from the outside. And just the – just – I really enjoy listening to Coach to Webby. He's just saying all the right things. But the funny thing is, is that actually when you talk to the boys, and I was on the uh, plane ride home with them back to Auckland, um, and they're all saying the same thing. So you can see there's this genuine buy-in around resilience, around you know staying in the grind and all of that, things that they've definitely lost over the last you know three years with all the turbulence, I suppose, that they've been through. So I really like that. I can see like there's been this real mindset um shift in them so that'll set us up I mean I am probably confident that we could really push for a for an eighth spot you know a final spot I'm not saying you know this is our year but I'm really really proud of what the boys are doing and just the way they're um just the way they come back they just seem like they've got all this weight off their shoulders I mean they look good they're fit Sean's fit as ever you know he's got a little bit of work to do with his kicking game but like you can just see there just seems real genuine harmony amongst them and I like that I really do well, we wish them all the best of like they play the Roosters this weekend, which will be exciting. And then they're back at Mount Smart in a couple of weeks' time, which I imagine you will be in the commentary box for. Yeah, 100%. I'm actually backing them this weekend against the Roosters because they just Ooh. Dolphins uh, in the weekend, which was a total upset. Um, see, and again, you know, like when you get a, a team who's, yep, brand new to the competition and they take out, you know, a top team like the Roosters, it just shows it, it does come down to a mindset and, and on the day. So I've got the boys. Honey Hitomi Smiler, always fabulous having you on the podium. Bye. Just back to those criticisms of Super Rugby O-Picky competition Honey was making, New Zealand Rugby have responded saying they haven't dropped the ball in this competition and the decision to expand the contest by a week was made before last year's Rugby World Cup. They also pointed out there is still a comparatively low number of senior players and that it is important these players return to support their local club competitions. It appeared that a vehicle may have gone over the 80-metre cliff into the sea. There have been no bodies found despite considerable debris being washed ashore. Nine years ago, a man named John Beckenridge abducted his stepson, Mike Zhao Beckenridge. Soon afterwards, they vanished. Now, a new investigation is trying to find out what happened to them. This is The Lost Boy. Listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We are only four months out from the Netball World Cup with the ANZ Premiership now underway. Dame Nolene Toto, always wonderful to have you on. Thank you. Great to be here and great talking netball. Yes, love netball. Are you impressed with what you're seeing after the first round of the Premiership? Oh, look, it's a start. I always think, um, you know, it's still a bit dicey, but, um, you know, turnovers are still quite high, but it's a start to the competition. 
I would probably expect as the rounds progress that they'll start to settle and we'll get some really good quality netball out there. Yeah, a few speed wobbles there, particularly for the Southern Steel last week, losing 64-38. Ouch to the Mystics. But great to see Mystics shooter Grace Nowicki on fire. I know. She's such a massive weapon, not only for Mystics, but also for New Zealand as well. And the last jaunt that we had over in Quad Series in South Africa, she was named the shooter, shooter of the tournament. You know, So for a 20-year-old, she's leaps and bounds. And I saw her running out there at goal attack as well. So uh, really great to have her on board. Gives you a bit of options. Are you going back to the drawing board for the Silver Ferns team selections following the first round? Oh, look, I'm not going back to the drawing board. We don't have time for that. Over the last two years, um, which has been a bit like going to the dentist sometimes, we've predicted that we'll probably have to select the team without trials. And what that has meant is that we've had a couple of years where we've given uh, people opportunities to get out there on court, which I've been able to do. So over the years, we have at least 25 of our 26 uh, squad members out there. So we know exactly what what people can and can't do. And this ANZ is the last staging of our program or our planning to see if they've made any shifts. So I feel that we know enough of individuals and now it's just about them turning out for their clubs. So no potential bolters during the ANZ Premiership that might make you change your mind? Well, you never know. You know, and I think as a coach, you've got to remain open. You've got to see what people are producing and you want people who are producing the goods out on court because they deserve to be selected, if that's so. So uh, we've got to keep our mind open and, and make sure that we cover all our bases. And when will you be selecting that team and making the decision on who's in and who's out? Yeah, look, we go right to the wire, which is right through to the grand finals. Um, and two days after the grand finals, I uh, can't quite remember the date now, in July, um, we named the team. So um, we're also out with the clubs as well, Dream ANZ. We have uh, management meetings over Zoom. We're meeting with the players. So hopefully we can just keep that connection and uh, everybody knows what the communication is over the next three or four months. Well, enjoy all the ANZ network. I am loving it right now. That game between the Pulse the other day involving the Pulse, it was like one goal and it was so exciting. I love a good close game. I love close games too. I'm on the same boat. The closer it is, the more exciting it is, and then we can see those players who can stand up. So that's what it's about. Well, all the best, Dame Nolene. Thank you so much for joining us today. Lovely. Thanks for having me. For cricket fans, the sun is about to set on this summer's season, but today there's one last hurrah, the series between the Black Caps and Sri Lanka that kicks off today in Christchurch. Staff's Brendan Egan will be there. Kia ora, Brendan. Hey Zoe, how's it going? Not too bad. So after that amazing performance against England, are the Black Caps favourites? Oh, they're definitely favourites. Yeah, heavy favourites against Sri Lanka, who traditionally don't tour very well in New Zealand conditions, and they uh, haven't won in New Zealand since 2006. So, yeah, New Zealand will be favourites, but uh, you definitely can't underestimate Sri Lanka. They are third in the, the World Test Championship rankings, but, yeah, New Zealand at home are heavy favourites. Heavy favourites for the Black Caps. But other than, you know, in the Test rankings, we've also got ODIs as well coming up very soon. How is Sri Lanka going, and, and will they challenge us at all? I think uh, in, the, in the white ball stuff, they're going to be, they're always quite unpredictable, especially the uh, T20s. Um, you just never know. All you need is one batter to, 
to have a quick rapid fire innings or uh, a bowler takes a few quick wickets and puts the top order under pressure and a game can swing really quickly. I think they'll they'll probably battle over the two test matches, but in the white ball stuff, the uh, the ODIs and then the, the T20s to finish. The other thing is that uh, some of the uh, Black Caps IPL players are expected to be unavailable for those those white ball games. So it'll be a slightly weaker New Zealand team. Um, so Sri Lanka might fancy their chances there. So should be a good series, but yeah, I'm expecting Sri Lanka to put up quite more of a fight in the white ball games. Yeah, we've got this as a two-test series as well, isn't it? The first one is in Hagley Oval. The next is up here in Wellington. But you know Hagley quite well. Win the toss, bat or bowl first? Oh, you're 100% your bowl first at Hagley. <laughs> Green wickets. You want to really uh, utilise that. The first session uh, before lunch there. I mean, yeah, we've seen a flurry of wickets fall. But at the same time, it, you know, it, it does look very green, Hagley. But if you get in there and bat and you uh, just play conservatively, don't take too many risks, and get through to lunch... It's really, really uh, can be a great wicket to bat on after lunch when the sun comes out, the wicket flattens out a bit. But if you can survive that first session, uh, good things can happen after that. Enjoy the test, Brendan. Thank you so much. Here's what else is making headlines. The Breakers are fighting to take the NBL title with the series currently one all with more games on Friday and then back at home in front of a record crowd at Spark Arena on Sunday. Fingers crossed they can do it. If you're in Christchurch for the Test match, then check out the New Zealand Surf Life Saving Championship starting Thursday until Sunday at Christchurch's New Brighton Beach. Beautiful spot. And the Women's North versus South T20 Cricket Series is back after a 12-year break. Break. Check the action at Burt Sutcliffe Oval in Lincoln this weekend. Well, the multi-award winning football comedy Ted Lasso is about to hit TV screens for a third season. And for those who haven't discovered it yet, it features an American coach who knows absolutely nothing about football taking on a London club. But the new series has already won over Stuff's James Crute, our TV reviewer and football fan. Hi, James. Hi, Zoe. What does the third season... I am totally addicted to Ted Lasso, by the way. I love it. I love it. It's delightful, joyous. It's everything. It's got football. It's fantastic. But does the third season hold up? Well, from what I've seen so far, they've only let us have a look at one episode. It kicks off here on the uh, 15th of March, but uh, it continues the story from where it left off. So AFC Richmond have been promoted back to the Premier League. but they're missing one of their coaching team. Uh, Nick Muhammad's character has been stolen, I guess, by West Ham United at the same time as Richmond have been uh, picked by every pundit in the UK as being bottom this year. Um, Look, it it already has excitement and tension and plenty of homespun homilies in the first uh, episode. It is just so much fun. Uh, I Someone told me the other day, though, that if you're a real football fan, you don't watch that, you watch Welcome to Wrexham, which I also watch. Well, you see, I think that's the funny thing now, and I think... I don't know whether one is begat the other, but I think Wrexham now feel almost like a fictional club, like Richmond AFC, because of the money that's behind them now. And now everybody is kind of rooting for them to go up through the divisions and become the new Richmond. I mean, it's it's kind of like Wimbledon were in the 80s, except they were full of bother boys, if you like. But there's still some debate about whether this is the final season or not. So we just have to wait and see at this point. There's been no actual announcement like succession that it's going, but fingers crossed there's more and more of this. Uh, I can't wait. Bring it on. And that's it for the podium. I'm Zoe George, and on behalf of our guests this week, producer Philippa Tully and audio editor Connor Scott, thanks for listening. 
What would you like to hear on the show? Do you have a favourite sport that no one hears much about? Drop us a line at the podium at stuff.co.nz. Catch you next week. Until then, kakete anō, go well. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, tagline there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.